Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. Tribe. 
What's going on, guys? Thank you for tuning in to today's show, where we welcome back Dr. Cheryl Fraser. She's a psychologist, sex therapist, and author of Buddha's Bedroom, The Mindful Loving Path to Lifelong Passion. And we always enjoy talking with Cheryl. You can uh, check out in the show notes her Past Previous episode, yeah, on apology and uh, really like that one. And today we dive in and talk about passion and how to keep passion in the relationship, reignite it. And she gives us some really great tools through uh, the lens of breaking it down to the passion triangle and how we can think about each side and implement them in our relationship. And one thing that she left us with and one thing that I think is so important is that to remember that we are all normal. She did some research, uh, I think what a study of over 2,500 people. And in that a number of people, there was a very, very, very small amount that said they were still enjoying sex with their partner. Small percentage, right? Well, you're being a bit hard. It's still enjoying. I think it was like <laughs> not enjoying. how they rated it as being like passionate. Or okay, not. okay, yeah. <laughs> but yes, it was only it was only like eight percent, which it's like yeah. But that's why relationships are hard, mm-hmm. and that's kind of normal, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. so you you are not alone if you are struggling sexually in your relationship. Put it that way, or just not feeling <laughs> the passion of the first you know, few months where it's easy and, and Cheryl breaks down why that passion is there early and how we can reignite it throughout a long-term relationship. And she has a lot of other cool uh, points that she talks to about research that has been done in, in regards to responsive desire and especially within females. And I think we've actually done an episode that talks about that research as well. So I'll be sure to link to that in the show notes. And as always, thank you guys for tuning in and sharing with your friends and family. And we hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Before we jump into today's interview, we want to tell you about our online course, Spark My Relationship. Do you guys want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days? Yes. Sign me up. (laughs) Then you guys need to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. It is an online course, like I mentioned, that we created with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you guys the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. We talk about it on the show. Relationships take work. Sometimes they function pretty easily and you coast along, but we've found the reality is, is you have to do work sometimes and to make them better, to change them so that they're more satisfying for both partners. And you've made it here. You've made it to listening to our show. So you guys probably already know that a little bit. But what you might not know are the specific tools and exercises that you need to create those lasting and positive improvements in your relationship. And like Chase said, change does not happen on its own. It takes hard work. And that's why we created the course. Spark One Relationship is designed to infuse your life and relationship with fresh passion, skills, and wisdom. And it's a self-paced journey that's perfect for turning up the heat, having some fun together, and revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. 
And just some tools and strategies that the course includes is to how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve your stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper and more intimate bond, and strengthen your couple microculture, which you will find out what that is. Uh, in the future together. So for our listeners only, we're offering a special of $100 off the course. Visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to unlock your discount. And there is a 30-day money-back guarantee. So there really is no reason to not give it a try. So go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock for $100 off. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you so much for joining us back on the show. Oh, it's so nice to be back, Sarah. I I so admire your work and I just want everybody listening to know how lucky they are that you and Chase decided to bring this work to people week after week. So thank you for having me back on. Can't wait to serve your audience. Well, thank you for those kind words. And we feel lucky to be able to talk to people like yourself and we're just recording it and putting it out there, (laughs) but, but we do appreciate that. And we appreciate our listeners for tuning in. And today we have a great topic where we're going to talk about the keys to passion in a relationship in keeping the passion or reigniting the passion. So we thought we could start by having you tell us how you think about passion in relationship, what that looks like. It's a great question because we use the word so much that I think it's lost meaning. I mean, does passion mean sex? Does it mean spark? Does it mean, you know, those falling in love fluttery feelings? Does it mean admiring your spouse when they're holding your, you know, feverish three-year-old in their arms and kissing their forehead gently? And you have these warm, fuzzy feelings of, um, of attachment and closeness. And I would put forward, it means all of those things in the way I teach it. And I would also say the way most of us experience it it being passion in long-term relationship is a multi-varied thing where we run into trouble as couples is where we too narrowly define what we think passion means and we want it to be spontaneous lust. And that is a fantastic feeling, but a rarely experienced feeling. So maybe I could start off by talking a little bit about the two different types of sexual desire, and then we can move in to my three keys to passion. How does that sound? Yes. Excellent. Okay, so what I'm about to teach is you two probably know it because of the the level of work you do, but very few people know, and this is based on sex therapy research and couples therapy research. This is the newest science of how human beings experience sexual desire toward a partner or sexual arousal towards a partner in longer term relationships. Now, before people think longer term relationships means three or four decades, I'm talking about when we've been in our relationship for more than say 12 to 18 months, I'm defining that as a long term relationship because as we all experienced or almost all of us experienced in that first year or so, we're really hot for each other. We've also got all those falling in love feelings, the endorphins, the oxytocin, the biochemistry of falling in lust and love. And I want to let people know again, based on functional MRI and scientific research, when we're falling in love, we're actually crazy in love. The biochemistry in the brain, where the brain lights up when we're feeling those 
crazy in love feelings, mimics the biochemistry and the light-ups in the brain of obsessive compulsive disorder. So when we say, I'm madly in love with them, I can't stop thinking about them, I want to rip their clothes up all the time, that is a beautiful biochemical cocktail. I'm a huge fan of it. I'm sure everybody listening is a huge fan of it, but it is almost impossible to sustain that, as we all know, beyond the first year or so. So all of that stuff I just said is what can be called spontaneous desire. That is, you know, you walk in the door and I want to rip your clothes off. Uh, We kiss what's meant to be a quick kiss goodbye. And then the tongues get involved and we're both very horny, very turned on right away. Spontaneous desire. Now we love it. It's great. But I like to quip you too that, um, you know, you should think of spontaneous desire in a longer term relationship, like your teenager offering to clean out the garage. It's going to be a very rare event. If it ever happens, enjoy the hell out of it. Be very grateful it's come to visit. Spontaneous lust, but don't count on it. This leads us to the second type of desire or arousal. And here we're mainly talking about erotic or sexual desire and arousal right now. And that is responsive desire. And I can give a link below. uh, You can put below the podcast to a researcher called Rosemary Basson and her work on the responsive female sexual desire model. Might be worth talking about more detail in in another time. But this does not just apply to women. Uh, Rosemary Basson's research was done on women, but responsive desire is exactly what it sounds like. We get turned on, horny, or in the mood in response to stuff, not spontaneously, not that lust feeling. So it can be in response to something as simple as you and I schedule sex, a technique I suggest all of us in long-term relationships take on, which is pick a day or maybe even two days a week where we're going to be erotic together. So if I am not turned on, which is the natural state to not be turned on, we don't walk around 24 hours a day horny, unless maybe we're in the middle of falling in love with someone new. And Tuesday night is our erotic date night. And at 7 p.m. And that's where we usually start. And I and you have zero turn on in our body. If we then choose to say, I'm not in the mood, let's not do it. Obviously, nothing's going to happen. If instead we say, well, let's begin the dance towards an erotic encounter. I'm using that term here purposefully, Chase and Sarah. By erotic encounter, I'm meaning it may or may not be intercourse. It may or may not lead to orgasm for one or both people. Often it will. But where there's a quality of nakedness, there's a quality of erotic, and there's a quality of sex to the encounter. Responsive desire means we do things to ourselves or each other that bring the desire forward. It can be as simple as snuggling and starting to stroke each other's back and making a decision with our mind, I'm going to be sensual or erotic or sexual with you right now. And the body's like, okay, we're not on board. We're like a zero. But as we touch, as we kiss, maybe you uh, have a shower, a bath, et cetera. Maybe you give each other a massage. Maybe you dive right in, grab a sex toy and put it on your clitoris or your perineum, or you start um, going down on your hubby and giving them oral sex. Of course, all of this advice applies to all couples, gay, lesbian, transgender, alternative couples as well. I may use heterosexual language at times, but adapt this to your own beautiful love story. Responsive desire. I am not turned on. You're probably not turned on, but we're going to do it anyway. And the desire uh, comes up in response to a mental, an emotional, a physical, a tactile stimulation. This, if we ended the podcast now, and this was the only thing your listeners heard, it's one of the most important things we can teach. 
Rosemary Besson, this researcher, there are others, has a beautiful phrase I like to quote. She says, the majority of long-term couples start making love from a place of sexual neutrality. What she means is you're not turned on and I'm not turned on. This can blow couples' minds because, of course, we're sitting here thinking there's something wrong with us. I have a low sex drive. Our relationship must not be what it used to be when we wanted to jump each other's bones a lot. We're broken. What's wrong? Did I choose the wrong person? All of that is misunderstanding the actual science of long-term love, long-term bodies, and the fact that you're not broken if you rarely, if ever, have spontaneous desire. The beautiful thing is we can enter in our longer-term relationships to clarify, I mean more than a year or two together, long-term relationships by saying, okay, baby, our sexual and erotic life matters a lot to me. Let's create the circumstances for responsive desire to arise. Thank you for that Mm -hmm. outline. I have a question. Why does that spontaneous desire disappear? Why can't it just stick around? (laughs) <laughs> oh, Chase, you and me both, baby. I would give anything to have my dear hunky man walk in tonight and just want to F him the way I did when we were dating. We've been together seven yes. years and we're, you know, not young. I was 49. He was 48 when we got together. And we used to set the alarm at 5 a.m. so we could have a quickie before he had to go to his work uh, when we didn't live together. We used to have sex twice a day. And you're like, we were almost 50. And now we could honestly go three or four weeks easily without having sex if we relied on spontaneous desire. I don't know. Maybe the universe has a wicked sense of humor, Chase. That's why it doesn't last. <laughs> but more seriously, that kind of desire is really fueled by novelty, right? It's really fueled by the unknown and the obstacles. Obstacle increases desire, as my uh, friend and colleague Esther Perel writes about so beautifully. When you're away, let's say uh, one of you had flown back stateside during uh, the beginning of the pandemic and had been stuck there for three months apart, one of you in Costa Rica, one of you in California or somewhere, when you got back together, that obstacle of time, that obstacle of distance would heat things up and you might have felt some spontaneous lust because it was novel again. It's kind of difficult to create the feelings of, I don't know Chase very well. We've been dating for three weeks. I'm aching to have sex with him. It's hard to recreate that. But this is where in the previous podcast we did, people can take a listen if they like. We talked about some of some of the teachings in my book, Buddha's Bedroom, which are about creating a mindset of things being new, for example. Right now, if I could give each of you the smallest sliver of an incredible Belgian truffle, and let's presume we all like chocolate. If you don't substitute something else here, listeners, and you took a pause, you took a moment, and I want us to do a little thought experiment, all of us right now, and you place this tiny sliver of melty chocolate truffle on your tongue, and you really pay attention for 30 seconds, let's say, for a minute, let's say. Uh, probably most of us are salivating right now. And if there was a sliver of a truffle on our tongue, we'd be really enjoying it. We'd be present with it. We'd be mindful. It would be new. Here's the thing, Chase. Here's the thing that blows my mind. We never then say, ah, whatever. I've had a hundred truffles before. I've been with truffles for 10 years. I've known truffles for 30 years. It is possible to experience a sliver of truffle like it's brand new, right? 
or going um, skiing or uh, going surfing or eating a meal you love and tasting it new. So the reason spontaneous lust for the most part goes away or really dims is things aren't new anymore. And we are, if I can be bold and I know I can, damn lazy. We are damn lazy at creating novelty in our life. We're damn lazy at taking our partner on an exciting date, on doing something more exciting in the bedroom, on ordering a fun sex game to play. Uh, I got one that I um, recommended to the couples I work with in my online immersion program. I just looked it up on Amazon, you know, fun couples, sexy games. And it was called... um, There's so many, but this one was called Sexy Truth or Dare. And it's like a little canister of sort of pickup stick things. And there are these sticks you pull out and on one side is a truth and on the other side is a dare. And if you pick truth, it might say, tell me about, you know, one of your uh, earliest experiences of having an orgasm when another person gave it to you. And dare might be, I dare you to tell me one of your fantasies and act it out with me right? Easy stuff. But just doing that now and then can create some novelty, spice, and fun, but it takes effort. It takes bringing our mind into the game and really looking at each other fresh. You know, you guys are younger than me, but you may or may not have seen a movie maybe a decade ago. It was Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler, and it's called 50 First Dates. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she's got some completely inaccurate head injury that makes her wake up every morning and she, she doesn't remember anything. Right. So the, in the movie, Adam, who falls in love with her has to find ways every day to, to help her fall in love with him over and over and over again. So there they are, maybe 20 years into their relationship, we can extrapolate beyond the movie. And every day he is new to her. Every day she discovers him new. That is what we could do without a head injury if we decide. And I never want to make this sound easy. I wish to heck it was easy. My sweetheart and I work on this ourselves fairly hard. We really invest in the work I teach, in the work I do, and who I am, the same way the two of you do. And we spice things up in the bedroom, but we don't just rely on the usual, which is the outside stuff. Oh, let's dress up in latex and go to a fetish party, or let's get a sexy truth or dare game, or let's try a new sexual position, or let's play out a fantasy. Those are great. Those are external. But really the way in, and most couples won't do this, but the ones that choose to walk this path, and I hope the two of you are and will, it's really about the mind of the truffle. Can I train my mind to be excited again and see you new instead of seeing the man or woman or person who walks through the door and forgot the cat food? Instead of seeing the man or woman or person who walks through the door and grunts, hey, instead of sweeping you up in a kiss or a snuggle or a a flirty look the way we did when we were dating. Can we create novelty, even if we've been together for 20, 30, 40 years, five years, whatever, by saying, you're freaking amazing. And you know, one of the saddest things, and we see it around us, and sometimes we see it in our own lives, is often a tragedy or a terrible wake-up call wakes us up to how grateful we are for our spouse, right? A friend's spouse is killed in a car accident. Uh, Someone we know gets a nasty and short-term till they die uh, cancer diagnosis. Or even world events, the pandemic, 9-11, the tsunami of years ago, wake us up often just for a couple of days, but it wakes us up to, oh my goodness, I'm so blessed to have you. And we might even cling to each other and make love and have more spicy, urgent sex in the wake of a disaster. Now, a very common relationship disaster is an affair. 
or some other between you and I disaster, between you and I wake up call that leads us saying in the rubble and the pain and the betrayal and the confusion, we took each other for granted. We forgot how to be lovers. We forgot how to bring passion in. Can we start again? And just briefly for the number of couples listening who've been through an affair, because statistically probably 20 to 40% or so of you have, I want to reassure you, the research shows that the majority of long-term couples where there's an affair do stay together. More than 50% stay together. And the skillful ones rebuild their relationship. I sometimes call it marriage or relationship 2.0, that after the affair. They do some deep work uh, with me, with a professional, listening to good stuff, taking a course. I have an immersion course some couples take to say what went wrong, what went right, how do we attend to our passion triangle, which I'm going to stop talk about next. But first, I want to see if you had any other questions or comments before I move on. Well, thank you for, for laying that all out. And yeah, it's something that I think everyone struggles with, that things become normal and we take our partner for granted. And you, you mentioned other things in life too. And, and surfing, you said surfing, I surf and yeah, I get, I'm noticing I, I'm not as excited if the conditions aren't a certain way as I was when I first started surfing. And I think we do that in, in a lot of areas of life and it's something worth focusing on because uh, especially for myself, I can't speak for anyone else, but it's like, Otherwise, we're always striving like to to make something that it's not, you know, or we're not having gratitude for for the way things are. We're like, ah, it's got to be a bigger wave, a better wave. And I, I notice I do that there. And then, yeah, obviously in our personal lives as well. So it's a great all around practice to to have gratitude, to really try to work on these things in the relationship because they're not just going to happen automatically. Unfortunately, I've heard it called hedonic adaptation. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that? I've heard that term. Yeah. So, so when something's pleasurable and we do it over and over, it starts to lose its, its um, intensity. Yeah. But I would argue that that while it definitely is our felt experience and definitely does happen, I'm going to argue that it doesn't have to happen. And that's why I use that chocolate idea, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if I was eating four truffles a day, mindlessly chomping them and swallowing them, I might get a bit bored of truffles, chocolate truffles, but that's generally not our experience. If you love good coffee, you can have a good coffee every day and go, oh, this is so good today. Do you taste it's got a little more chocolate than yesterday? It's got a little more lemon aftertaste than yesterday. So I think, you know, with things we really love, we don't always if they're simple, get this hedonic adaptation, or I would call it complacency, lack of novelty. I love what you said about surfing. And I love that you're calling yourself out on that, Chase, and saying, wow, this is a a gift and a privilege to be able to engage in this incredible practice and sport. You know, what if we said, dude, sorry, this is your last ever time on a surfboard. Think how much you would cherish it. And it's interesting you brought that up, actually. I have a patient, and I know he won't mind me sharing this. I'll call him Dan. Um, He's 35 years old. His passion is surfing. We do have some surfing here off the west coast of Vancouver Island. And um, he fell off a climbing wall about three months ago, shattered his knee and his leg. They thought they were going to have to amputate his leg. They didn't. The surgery was successful. But it's really uncertain whether he'll ever be able to surf again. 
Now that happens to be something you and I didn't talk about this at all. Uh, I didn't even know you were a surfer, but if you knew if we had some bizarre crystal ball, which I would immediately destroy because it'd be terrible to have this crystal ball <laughs> that told you a week from now, you're going to destroy your leg and might not be able to surf again. How much would you, you enjoy every bit of surfing this week? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think we're listening and we're thinking, yes, I want to do that. Yes, I agree. But how do I do it? Mm-hmm. And here's where it gets real because there's no quick fix, I guess, other than maybe taking crazy drugs that make you super high for 10 minutes. And I'm not suggesting that. Um, in the book and in the teachings of uh, Buddha's Better, we're, we're not really talking about the book today, which is fine, but we happen to stumble in to what I cover in the first few chapters is really this. How do we create a mind of novelty with mindfulness, with meditation, with slowing down, with paying attention? And that also um, touches uh, elbows with tantric sexuality, where we really focus on that chocolate truffle. But that chocolate truffle is the the, the texture of your tongue as it touches the tip of my tongue, the feeling of you stroking my inner thigh, that when the mind is engaged, the way it is when we're falling in love, right? Don't forget what I shared. The biochemistry of falling in love uh, mimics obsessive con- compulsive disorder. Man, are we ever thinking about you? Man, are we ever excited about you? We're locked and loaded. So it's not something people can learn in a weekend, how to have a mindful mind that shows up for that surfing, that wave, that that truffle or that orgasm. But this is where I wish all of humanity would put their attention, which is this precious life we've got. Maybe we're going to squeeze out 80, 90, 100 years. What the heck are we doing with it? Or are we letting it pass us by? And that is a bigger teaching of, you know, who are you? What's your philosophy? What do you want in life as well as love? Before we continue on, we want to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. After the year we had in 2020 and coming into 2021, it's definitely okay to talk about our mental health and happiness. Mm -hmm. It's one of the benefits, I think, of this whole time is that that's become a lot more of a focus. Yeah, of the Mm -hmm. conversation. And we're not meant to keep everything inside and therapy helps. And we've talked about therapy on the show, but you still might be asking, what is it exactly? Well, it's really whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're struggling in your relationship or maybe you're super happy, but want to be proactive in your relationship and understand some tools that you might need in the future. Or maybe you just feel overwhelmed with life and need someone to talk to. Whatever you need, don't be ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better today because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So if you don't want to see anyone on camera, you don't have to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really all about. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash I do. That's betterhelp.com slash I do. Today's episode is also brought to you by Best Fiends. 
Life throws annoying challenges that trigger us all the time. I constantly joke on the show how annoying it is when Chase eats all my milk chocolate before even touching the dark chocolate he asked me to buy for him. Or when you're watching a movie on Netflix and it stops to load every two seconds. Whatever it is that makes you feel triggered or tense, if you're looking for a way to blow off steam and unwind, I highly recommend downloading my new favorite game, Best Fiends. Best Fiends is the top-rated and possibly the best mobile puzzle adventure game. Best Fiends gives you hours of fun, casual gameplay that never gets old, with thousands of levels plus new content and events added all the time. In the past, when I needed a minute to chill and unwind, I would jump on social media, but since I'm trying to spend less time mindlessly scrolling on all the social media apps, I found Best Fiends allows me to unwind while actually having a little fun. I really like how the game is challenging, but not hard, so it keeps me playing. I actually find it really hard to put down now. I'm constantly telling myself, just one more level, but now that I'm on level like 60, I'm slightly obsessed with winning each level. The design of the game is so engaging and I love all the cute little characters. You guys really have to check it out just so you understand what I'm saying. And the best part is there is over 3,000 levels and counting, so you'll never run out of fun. So download Best Fiends today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Well, you've given us a lot of great tools already as far as how to frame reigniting passion in our life, thinking about keeping things novel. And I know you mentioned the passion triangle, I believe you called it. Can (laughs) we dive into that triangle? Okay, let's go. This is the way I pull together all the teachings of uh, the, the blessings I've had from other teachers and from my career as a psychologist and a sex therapist and other things. The passion triangle is the way I teach couples to think about passion. And uh, I use a triangle on purpose. Apparently, my engineer friends tell me that a triangle is an incredibly stable structure on which to build anything big and heavy. So we want a stable structure for our relationship. I want everybody to picture a triangle right now. And on the bottom, of the triangle is the word intimacy. On the left side is the word thrill. And on the right side is the word sensuality. These are the three keys to passion. And we want our relationship to be strong in all three of these factors. Of course, I'm going to briefly explain them right now. Intimacy. Now, I don't use intimacy as a euphemistic word for sex, like let's be intimate. That's a fine way to use it. But the way I use it is emotional intimacy. So the intimacy part of our relationship, uh, we might call our marital friendship or our closeness, that sense that you've got each other's back, the ability to talk about the minutia of your day and debrief together and feel close, the ability to talk about the tough, difficult stuff, the ability to manage conflict well, no doubt you've covered that a fair bit in previous podcasts, Um, everything from learning how to avoid the four killer behaviors in fighting that John Gottman teaches uh, to repairing, to apologizing. I think we talked about my technique of mindful apology in our last podcast last year or so. So when you're intimate, uh, when your side of your passion triangle, the intimate side is strong. And this is most long-term couples. They say, we're really good friends. We're great parents. I like hanging out with him, her. I even like going to the grocery store with him, her. And we have a great time in our two-week vacation. They're one of my favorite people. I trust them. I'm loyal to them. I'm not looking to cheat or leave. But boy, I love them, but I'm not in love with them anymore. 
They're just my buddy. Roommates more than lovers, whether you're making love or not making love. So intimacy is super important. But I'm going to, uh, we can link below to a 10 minute quiz people can do if they wish, where they can rate their current uh, relationship on the passion triangle, see where you're strong, see where you're weak, and get some uh, video guidelines from me on what to do about it. But the second side of the passion triangle, to a large degree, Chase and Sarah, is what we've been talking about today. I call it thrill. The excitement of that wave when you're paddling out, the uh, the thrill and excitement and deliciousness of that truffle, the butterflies in the stomach, the beating heart jumping out of your chest. And yes, the rushes of lust we used to feel when we were falling in love. I remember being working, you know, and maybe you'd had a date with your new person the night before, whether or not you'd been sexual. There was an erotic uh, goodnight kiss. There's a lot of anticipation. And the next day you're in a board meeting or you're writing a legal brief or something and you literally get turned on. You you get partly hard or partly wet and horny just was oh, this rush of thrill lust. So thrill is the piece, of course, we've been talking about that declines or even goes into a coma in long-term love. So when your sweetheart comes home, you might be happy to see them, but you probably don't jump up like my dogs do and race to the door and jump up and down in absolute thrilled excitement that there are other humans home. And I use that example very purposefully because most of us laugh when we hear it because we either had a dog or been around a dog. And the fact is, guys, where I'm recording this is from my home and upstairs and I have a separate office suite. So I have to go outside, go up 10 stairs and into my office when I'm in that office. So you can guess what I'm about to say, but the odd time I go up to my office, I go, oh, dang, I forgot my appointment book or my phone or my whatever. And I come back down. I've been gone about 90 seconds, but you know what happens when I open (laughs) the door, right? The two dogs go cuckoo bananas. Cheryl exists. We love her. She's the greatest. So I often actually assign and I'm going to challenge everybody to do this and they can roll their eyes and laugh at me if they want, but I challenge you to do it. And I want you to email me tomorrow, Sarah, and tell me whether he did it. (laughs) The next time you're out of the house, one of you's out of the house and comes back home, I want you to pretend that you're a Labrador retriever and your person just came home because it's a fun, stupid, silly way to remind us, I am thrilled that you exist. If you had died on the way home today, and this was a police officer at my my door, which so tragically does happen, it happened to another patient of mine, and they'd argued before her husband went to work that had nothing to do with his accident. He had a terrible patch of ice and he was driving safely and properly, but they argued and he went to work and he died in a car accident. We don't want that. And it's going to happen at some point. We're going to pass from this world. But thrill is the second side of the passion triangle. It's the one I really help couples with. Um, I talk about it a bit in the book and I, I in the program, we work on it a lot because it's the most difficult one to recreate. It's what we've been talking about this whole meeting. How do we recreate spontaneous desire? How do we recreate novelty and excitement? By the way, brief um, extra challenge for people. There's some great research done quite a long time ago, about 20 years ago, that indicates when you're excited, when you're doing something exciting that kind of charges your adrenaline up, like going to do something adventurous outside a mountain biking or um, even salsa dancing, if that makes you charged up and it's new. When we're in an excited state, we find our partner more attractive. So go on an adventure date, whatever adventure means to you. Do something new you haven't done before. Do something unfamiliar. And simply doing something exciting together can actually help create a bit more interest in each other. But I want to get to the third 
side of the passion triangle, the third of the three keys to passion, intimacy, your psychological, emotional friendship, part of your relationship, thrill, the excitement, the novelty, the really finding each other special. And that takes effort after a while. And sensuality, by there I mean the entire erotic spectrum, everything from kissing, holding hands, um, all just the sweet cuddling, right to the most raw, crazy, out of the box, deepest, darkest taboo, sex and lovemaking, and everything in between. Here's what a, I'm going to use the word healthy. I don't like to pathologize anyone, but a reasonably healthy, happy couple who would report that their relationship is pretty freaking awesome would have good amounts of all three of these qualities. And when people take the quiz or talk to me, or just listening now, everybody's self-diagnosing. And I know that the majority of you are thinking, okay, we're, we're, we're good on intimacy. And then there's a big chunk, maybe 30% of you that are thinking we're crap on intimacy. We argue all the time. We've got this low-grade hostility. We're not connecting. I don't even know what he, she's up to these days. We're distant. So that's easy to assess where we are in intimacy. Thrill, the majority of people listening are saying we're pretty low on thrill. There's some exceptions. And sensuality, there's a range, but the majority of people listening are not great on sensuality. I gave, I teach a a free class twice a year. It's about an hour-long workshop for people. And in there, I teach this three keys to passion in more detail. And I talk about my immersion program for the people that want to join that. But here's what I want to say. Last fall, fall of 2020, well into pandemic times, I offered that class and about 2,500 people signed up to the free class. And I surveyed them, guys. And I wasn't surprised by the results of the survey, but everybody attending the classes were. Only 8% of those people said they had a great sex life. And only 11% of them said that they still feel that excited in love feeling about their partner. And I share that not to discourage us. I actually share it to reassure. You are normal. Everybody listening. The three most important words I ever say to couples. You are normal if you have little spontaneous desire anymore. You are normal if you don't want to break up, but you're not super happy. And you're normal if you wake up and lay next to your snoring spouse sometimes and think, is this it? Where's the thrill gone? I love them, but I'm not in love with them anymore. So what I encourage everybody listening to do, and by the way, everybody listening already is, the fact that you listen to the I Do podcast means you care about your relationship. It means you want to do what I call make love intentional. You want to invest in your relationship. And I'm just giving you a structure to apply to what you already know and see where you fit into it, that there are what I call these three keys to passion, the passion triangle. Where are you strong? Where are you weak? Where do you know you need to focus on renovating your relationship so you can go from wherever you are right now in your relationship to where you wish to be? Love it, Cheryl. So are there any particular sides of the triangle that you encourage people to start with maybe? Yeah, I love that question. I've been asked it that way before. You know, I would say start with thrill for a couple of reasons. Everybody listening, 
um, as I said, probably 70% of them intimacy is good and strong, um, except maybe for deep, meaningful conversations. They want to tune that up. And for about 30% listening, intimacy is crap because they're fighting all the time. But when I say thrill, I, I literally want people to plan an adventure date and to plan something to surprise each other. And if you're listening and rolling your eyes thinking, oh, here we go, another date night. Uh-huh. There's a reason all of us super highly trained experts tell you to do it. <laughs> it's because it does help. And what I like about starting with thrill chase is if I tell people to start with sensuality, often that's too loaded, right? Often we've got a lot of sexual baggage between us. We haven't made love much. We've argued because one of us wants sex a lot more than the other, or we haven't made love in months or even years, which is far more typical than people want to admit. So what I would say is start with remembering what's interesting about your partner. And you mentioned gratitude when you were talking about reminding yourself to be you know, more grateful for the, for the pleasure of being able to surf, for example. Again, people hear this a lot, practice gratitude to the point where we almost toss it away. We shouldn't toss it away. One of the things I uh, teach, I sometimes call it the dog biscuit theory of, of relationship. Start looking for what your partner does right positive reinforcement, basic psychological theory. Every time you find yourself thinking, oh, he forgot to take the clothes out of the dryer again. They're all wrinkled. Now they're, now we have to iron them all. Follow it up with, yep, but what's one or two things he or she did right? What's one or two things he or she did that I'm grateful for, that I like? So instead of going into the negative story about why did I marry this person who can't freaking take the clothes out of the dryer, you go, oh, irritation, didn't take the clothes out of the dryer, but they sure made a beautiful meal last night and they made sure they made my favorite thing because they knew I was tired. And they were so great about taking the dog for a walk today when I was too busy. They're a real sweetheart. So that's a bit of thrill as well. Plan a date, plan an adventurous date. Surprises are great because surprises bring novelty. So if you text your sweetheart at three in the afternoon and say, hey, babe, tonight I'm taking you out for an hour. Uh, get home, dress in casual clothes. You want good walking shoes. That alone starts to bring some spark and some interest back. One of the things that makes me the most sad as a woman, as a partner, and certainly as a love and sex trained expert is how little we attend to our relationship until it's too late or until we're living like kind of bored roommates that more or less get along and meet for dinner. It does take effort. It takes intention. And we shouldn't be surprised. Goodness, we know our job, our parenting, our hobbies, um, how we decorate our home, how we cook, everything else we do. The, The vegetable garden, of course, it takes training, it takes intentionality, and it takes effort. When people fall into a subconscious trap, and I want to underline subconscious trap, we have this lingering subconscious belief that relationships should come naturally. It should be easy. And for a lot of us, it was pretty easy in the beginning when we were falling in love. But that's where we get into that dreadful headspace I mentioned earlier in this interview, where we think there's something wrong with our relationship. We think we're with the wrong person because we don't have spontaneous lust and desire, because we feel bored, because it seems like the same old, same old. Here's the thing. All those things may be very true. It may be the same old, same old. You may be bored and you may be having little or no sex and almost no spontaneous desire, but you're not broken. You're typical. You're normal. Only 8% of 2,500 people said they still had a great sex life. So you're normal. The question I'm going to challenge you with, with a little bit of tough love, everybody, what are you willing to do about it? What are you willing to do about 
relationship boredom, bedroom boredom. You can tolerate it. Please don't. You can leave and start with someone new. Here's what'll happen. 12 to 18 months of it'll be great. And then you're going to be back into a new variation of complacency and familiarity and the loss of lust. So how about invest right here and now with the imperfectly perfect person you're already with and say, okay, babe, let's renovate our relationship. You know, Chase and Sarah have a course you can get. I teach an immersion program you can join. You can get all this incredible free knowledge from this podcast. I send out weekly small videos. You can sign up and get those to your email list. We are here for you. All of these people who are here to say, we know you want to invest in your relationship. Let us help you. Let us bring you this information. Let's get off our butts and make love intentional. So what if a listener is like, yes, this is what I want to do. I want to reignite my relationship with my partner, but their partner maybe is in the mindset of like you said earlier, oh, another date night. Here we go. Then nothing is really going to change. How can that person who's listening have a conversation with their partner besides making them listen to this episode to get them on board to make them realize that their relationship is worth saving? Again, an excellent question. I'm going to give two answers. The first answer is to empathize with that is probably the most common situation you two and I run into in couples where one of them is quite motivated and has been perhaps through the whole relationship, the one to improve things, the one to learn, the one to want to reboot. And the other one is allegedly and says they're fine the way it is. I say allegedly, each couple's different, but a lot of the times people who are fine the way it is are just kind of stuck in the rut and they're comfortable and they have resistance and fear about, oh my goodness, my spouse wants to fix things. That means I'm not good enough. That means I've got to do different things because usually when I say, hey, sweetheart, I'd love to do this course or listen to this podcast or read this book together or go on a romantic, sexy getaway, What It usually doesn't start there, does it? Usually there's been months, if not years, of someone complaining, uh, often very skillfully in the beginning, not complaining. But then after a while saying, you you don't care about our relationship. I do all the planning. It's like you don't even love me anymore. You're not romantic. So we've got baggage, right? So usually when I've got a couple where exactly what Sarah just said, one of them's like, Cheryl, I really want to do your course, or I really want to go on a relationship retreat, or I really want to do what um, Chase and Sarah offer, et cetera. My spouse says, hell's no, not interested, not going to do it. That's the first way I'm answering this question. I have a, a testimonial for my program from a woman who took the took my immersion program 10 weeks long without her husband. And he wasn't down on it, but he said, not for me, not interested. And she did this video testimonial saying just that. And he said, not for me, not interested. And she talks about how her learning so much more about the passion triangle, her learning so much more about how to communicate better, how to do, as Chase and I were talking about gratitude, looking for the positive, um, how to uh, invite her hubby upstairs for an afternoon delight. They hadn't made love in two or three or four months. And the three teenage kids happened to not be home at the same time. She said, hey, baby, you want to go upstairs? And she was delighted and pleased that he said yes, because their pattern months before had been, now I'm busy or not right now. So what she says is she was able to change her relationship a fair bit 
on her own. And that's the most encouraging thing I can say. That's the first answer is if your partner flat out refuses or is unavailable due to crazy work schedule or is really freaked out by it all and their side of the clock, their impression is that you've been complaining and picking and saying I'm a crappy spouse forever and now you want me to do a course? No way, Jose. If that's the case, do your training on your own. We can change a system to a substantial degree from the inside. And I know that's a big ask. I can hear the hearts hurting right now saying, but Cheryl, I've always been the one. I've been dragging this relationship around on a chain, trying to make it better. I need, I long, I want my partner to step up. And I say, I know, sweethearts, I hear you, but we got to start where we are. And if you have a partner who isn't ready to step up, do it anyway and see how much you can bring a softer heart to your partner. Maybe um, bite your tongue when you want to say, you haven't taken me on a date in six months, even when it's true. And instead, plan a date for them. And at the end, maybe they say, that was really fun tonight. And you don't then jump in and go, well, next time you plan one, you wait. And then you bring it up later. So that's a that's answer number one. Answer number two is I'm a hopeless romantic. I'm always hopeful or I would have quit this type of work a long time ago. I've seen couples make extraordinary 180s from uh, one or both being absolutely adamant. It was done. They were over. It was divorce court time. There was no hope to really finding their way with some diligence and bravery and courage and learning to be in a much better place and in what I call marriage 2.0 or relationship 2.0. So if your partner's like, heck no, I say train anyway yourself, but also say, well, babe, I appreciate that. Would you be willing to give it a shot? No pressure. Would you be willing to listen to this one podcast when you're walking the dog? Would you be willing to take a look at this? It's a subtle dance. We know it. You know, listening, the two of you between, you know, kind of whinily and angrily demanding our partner do something, which is a legit way to feel if they've been neglecting us in our relationship for a long long time. And an invitation phrased more like, babe, I really miss us. I really miss the way we, we are. Don't you remember when we were together in the beginning, we used to set the alarm half an hour early at 5 a.m. so we could have a quickie before you went to work. And maybe that'll draw a bit of a smile. You know, I was so hot for you. I, I was so happy. And I know it's been 10 years and I know we're not that anymore. And I know things change, but I long for some of the fun and the sex we used to have. I long for you. I want to have a lot more fun with you, babe. Life is short. Would you be willing to take a look at this um, whatever it is, podcast, book, program, uh, article you found that talks about that we're normal, that we feel pretty bored and blah with each other. I think we can be way better. And I really would love you to, to take a stab at, at this with me. There are no quick fixes, but there's two ideas for people in the position Sarah's brought up. You're dying to change things. You're all in. You're a learner. You're a consumer. You want to jump in and get your passion triangle robust. Oh, by the way, that's a great thing to ask your partner to do, fill out the passion quiz because it takes under 10 minutes and people like even a lot of kind of tough guy men like to fill out quizzes about themselves. And it's a conversation starter where you can go, whoa, we scored really high on intimacy, but we've got no thrill and no sensuality. That's where, first of all, do we agree with Dr. Cheryl or not? Secondly, what if anything do we want to do about it? The smallest thing that can bring up the um, question in a non-threatening way can sometimes open up that conversation about the elephant in the room. 
Well, we'll link to that quiz in the show notes in the podcast description. And Cheryl, it is so great to have you back on. We really enjoy the way you break things down and, and share the knowledge. And today's episode was super powerful. We like that. And yeah, we encourage guests to check out your episode on uh, apologies. And we'll link to that as well. We in, really enjoyed that one. Uh, so thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. Perfect. The easiest way is good old fashioned website. My name, drshellfraser.com. On there, you can sign up for the weekly Love Bites, which are often a three to five minute video with a tool or a technique or a teaching that you can get every week. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm not a big social girl. I'm on Facebook and on YouTube with uh, probably now 50 or 100 videos on relationship. We can link to those below. But yeah, join join the tribe. Um, Come follow the work. If it resonates for you, I'd love to get to know you better, help you more. I uh, sometimes do you know, free Q&As on Facebook. I really like to get in and help people. And again, reassure them. What are the three magic words that are accurate? You are normal and you're not broken. Even if you're really in trouble, relationships a hard gig. That's why we're all studying it and trying to help people move through it. So yeah, I'd love, love to get to meet some of you at some way online or maybe in person sometime in the next couple of years. Well, thank you so much, Cheryl. We'll link to your website and all your social media and YouTube in the show notes and on our website. And thanks again for coming back on the show. We really enjoyed it. Absolute pleasure. Have a beautiful day and uh, keep helping couples fall in love over and over again. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show, guys. As always, the links will be in the podcast description as well as on the show notes on our website at idopodcast.com. And while you're on our website, we hope you guys check out our free 14-day happy couple challenge. Uh, It's a challenge where we send you a daily email for 14 days with easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And it's honestly just a whole lot of fun to do with your partner. It's something new and we think you guys will really enjoy it. So check it out. And while you're on the website, there are tons of free resources as well as more information about our online course, Spark My Relationship, where our listeners can get $100 off. So check that out. You can go directly to the course website at Spark myrelationship.com slash unlock. And that's where you can get the $100 off. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.